Merry Christmas, everybody. Rutten Radio is here to offer a little gift to all of you who love listening to each month's episode of Rutten Radio. We wanted to open up a small package and say Merry Christmas to you from Father John and Father Paul. And normally this would be called an Easter egg, mm. uh, but it's not really mm. an Easter egg because it's Christmas. It's Christmas, but a Christmas but egg. <laughs> why would we want to offer our so, this, John? I am listening to the podcast for It's a Wonderful Life, and I'm sitting there listening, and then they say, I, uh, Paul's talking about the important uh, moment in Friends, right? To yep. What were you saying on the episode? So one of the episodes of Friends, we find out that Phoebe's mother never let her <laughs> see the end of movies if they were sad. So she one day comes in to see Old Yeller, and she's like, Billy, Billy, what are you doing? And then they shoot Old Yeller. And then so she begins to realize her whole life is a farce. So she watches all of these movies, all of these movies, and sees all these endings. And then she comes in one day and she's watching uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And she said, I just couldn't finish it. It was too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> so she never saw the end of It's a Wonderful Life. And if you don't watch the end, then the whole movie doesn't make sense. Yeah, so I'm listening to it. I'm standing, getting ready in the morning, and I hear that, and I'm like, oh, well, I didn't li- watch the last five minutes of the movie. <laughs> I should probably watch the last five minutes of the movie. So I that night, I got down, and I just watched uh, the last five minutes of the movie. <laughs> it's absolutely essential to watch the last five minutes of that movie. Right. The whole thing changed. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I wanted to like scream because it's so powerful, <laughs> but I literally almost didn't watch it. And everybody was so shocked that I'd never seen the movie to begin with. Right, right. And yet I didn't watch the last five minutes. Right. <laughs> so it was really powerful. And what, uh, what, when you see the last five minutes, what is it about the last five minutes that's so important? It's the fact that nothing has changed in his circumstances and yet everything has changed in his circumstances. Like, so he's still like the house is still a mess. The the little ball falls off the railing. He's okay with it. He's going to get arrested. He doesn't care. Like everything, his kids, the whole thing, everything is fine. Yeah. And yet nothing changed. It's, it was so, this is it. It's so powerful. This is the Christian experience that everything external can change, can be the same. And yet interiorly, we're changed. And I say this all the time. And the great example is the early church. Some of the martyrs were thrown to lions mm-hmm. and they'd be like singing praises to God, you know. And here we are, we're like, have a little thorn in our side and we're just angry and bitter and resentful right. and we can't be, you know. And it's like, wait a minute, something is wrong if we don't have the fruits of the Spirit. Peace, patience, love, joy, self-control, da 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 And And so when I watched that, I thought, wait a minute, those cops were inside and they were saying, he's, he's going to take, oh, just a minute though. I got like, and he was like ready to go to jail with them. Okay, right. I guess if you're going to take me to jail, you're going to take me to jail. And I thought that is exactly the way that we are called to live. Right? Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> and, I, and I sat watch it and then I turned it off. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm helpless. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I think the challenge though is what does it take to have that disposition then before everything. I mean, I know what you said, we need Christ, but Mm -hmm. 
Like if like, so then why does the, you know, sliver in my finger cause me like to have these problems? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, a beautiful thing. Number one, I'd say we got to look to our experience and see if we've had it. You know, a lot of times we've had beautiful moments where things have changed for us, but then we forget them. You know, we're, we're not very, we're forgetful people. Uh, uh, but then also then to see that those moments are times in which you could pray. So this isn't the way we're supposed to respond. Lord, help me. And then if we know what it is that we want as a response, we know what to adhere to. But oftentimes we can be praying, Lord, help me. But what we're wanting is the external thing to change. So right. can we at least grow in our awareness that the thing that I want to change is inside me? You know, uh, uh, in, in uh, the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous program, they have a little saying, anytime I am disturbed, mm -hmm. I have a part to play. And this is a similar thing. So you learn how to pray for the right thing. Uh, oh, oh, I'm disturbed. Okay, Lord, help me with my fear, or Lord, help me with my resentments, or oh, Lord, help me with whatever the cases might be, as opposed to, Lord, change the circumstance that makes me fearful. Okay. <laughs> you know, so yep. one of the things we can do is change the disposition just by understanding, be like, oh, okay. And then now, how does it happen? Right. How does it happen? Well, that's the question. Somehow Christ has to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah Somehow. exactly. Yeah. And how does he come? In our life, in real experience. So we got to like pay attention. Just like pay attention. And then I would uh, say, and then what are we paying attention to? We're paying attention for that moment that we're like freed, liberated, like oh, I can breathe, right? And we've had those moments. So you can, I, can, I can breathe. Maybe we don't realize this is Christ, but we can like, I can breathe, right? And I was, I gave a retreat the other day. And one of the things that I reminded everybody is you got to have companions. You got to have people who help you when it's not that way. So even if you're not there, you say, well, I got Father Paul and Joe. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I might not be there yet. I might still be afraid of everything. But if I hang out with them, mm -hmm. they don't seem to be afraid all the time. Right. Or they at least, you know, walk with me when I am afraid. So, to have the the gift of the church, the gift of friendship, the gift of a companionship that helps us uh, always recognize, ah, okay, stay right there. Okay, now pray. Yep. <laughs> okay, and then, hmm, let's see what happens. And then a moment like George Bailey. And in the end, he actually didn't go to jail, uh, and he got the money back, and everything did turn out well Yeah, in the end as well. But his disposition definitely was different before the whole circumstance. Yeah, and— interestingly enough, how often in our life do circumstances end up what we want and then we think we got what we want, but we actually didn't get the deeper thing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. imagine had all those circumstances changed. He had been grumpy, who came in the door, rah, 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 you know, and then all the stuff, found the money, everything got, he didn't go to jail, da, da, da. And then he's like, oh, life is wonderful, you know, and that can be an easy thing to do where- sure. Yep. everything just gets ordered again as opposed to like sometimes it's a gift that it's so such a struggle because mm -hmm. you have to get like tear my hair out <laughs> yep all righty oh there we go yep so everybody what an egg you get at christmas yeah and be sure to watch the end <laughs> of movies of movies <laughs> As a last little parting gift to all of you, if you go to the Rutten Radio Facebook page, our Christmas 
card photograph <laughs> is there for you. And it's hysterical. <laughs> if it doesn't explain the personalities of each one of them. Right. No, it, yep, the whole thing. Although I'm kind of surprised by Joe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, you know, again, maybe that's Grace working. Yeah. He had real freedom. Yeah. Real freedom. <gasps> this is it. We're paying attention. Yep. I almost missed it. Almost. He was so free. So for you that don't know, you got to go watch. You got to go look at it. But the first shot we were going to take of this photograph for Christmas was I was going to lay on the ground. <laughs> right. And then Joe just like put his knee up and he's like, no, no, no. Get up on my knee. Sit on my knee. And then he puts his hand on my shoulder kind of like, <laughs> yep, you know, yep. like you. And I uh. just bust a gut laughing at it. And your look on your face actually is craze. Right. Because it's like, yeah, look at these fools. Yep. <laughs> As opposed to being like totally wanting to kill us. Yeah. No, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Merry Christmas, everybody from Rutten Radio and a blessed new year. Merry Christmas, everybody from Rutten Radio. This is Father John Rutten coming to you from the studios at the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And I am here on this amazing day with my brother, Father Paul Rutten. And we are minus somebody really important. Father Joe is not with us today. So we get to take over. We are the brothers Rutten journeying through life and commenting on movies that provoke us to think, laugh, and pray. And if you want to laugh, check out the Rutten Radio Facebook page and Look at our Christmas photograph, folks. It's not a classic. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, if you want to put it in a category, it's like um, Christmas vacation. <laughs> yep. And so we watch all kinds of movies from Christmas vacation to things that are deep of faith. Uh, and we hope that the movies that we watch help you grow. So we look forward to taking this journey today without our brother Joe, but we promise you it'll be well worth your time. So how you doing, Paul? Doing well. You know, uh, since we're technically still in the Christmas season, even though we're past the new year now, uh, it's nice to have some of it done. I, I feel like so often the problem with Christmas is there's all these things you have to do. Uh, and it just gets in the way. Once it's all done, then you kind of get to enjoy some quiet time and, you know, just a little, little bit slower uh, pace. So, yeah. Yeah, what kind of things are on the priest docket when you're... Lots of confession. Mm. We've heard lots and lots and lots and lots of confession. Uh, you know, we've got often their first reconciliations, uh, parish communal penance services, well, all the school kids, religious ed kids, uh, and then you just your regular parish uh, confessions. We heard, uh, both Father Doty and I heard an hour's worth of confessions over the noon hour you know, mm. during the, that time period. And so you just hear a lot. I mean, there's just a lot of it, which is good. Yeah. Um, and then all the Christmas parties or, or Christmas programs. So you've got band concerts and you've got choral concerts and you've got all preschool concerts and you got all of those things thrown in there. Yep. So All the kids dressed up yep. nice and pretty, singing away. And you, how are you doing there? Life Father is John? good. I'm just taking it one day at a time every day. I think to myself, just ride the wave, let it flow. It's been awesome. 
whenever I have my thought attacks, I'm always like, ah, get out of here. Get out of my head. It's like Uncle Joe saying, who's living in your head rent free? Yeah. <laughs> and so, no, doing well. Life is good. And um, yeah, just take it one day at a time. Yep. So here we are for the movie of the month. Remember the Titans. Yes. What do we got? Uh, true story of a newly appointed African-American coach and his high school team on their first season as a racially integrated unit. Uh, I had said last time that I didn't think I'd seen it, but I had seen it. It's just been a really long time since I've seen this movie. Um, yeah. So great. And as again, I realized it, it, another movie that Joe likes to watch sports and sentimentality. Yeah, totally. So it was like, how did 2021 become the year of Joe, Joe Rutten? We're going to make sure that the year. Yeah. 2020. Don't worry everybody. Hey, if you would do us a huge favor, put some movie recommendations in our Facebook page or send us an email or a text message and tell us what movies you would like us to review because we definitely got to get it out of Joe's hands. <laughs> this was like 2021 is, hey, let's watch all of Joe's top 10 favorite movies. And we got two in there that were from us probably. But uh, warnings of the movie, um, not too many. There, it's kind of your typical, you know, it was produced how long ago, you know? 2000. 2000. So it's 20 years old, yep. 21 years old. Uh, and uh, it's kind of got your typical high school um, kind of things in it. And then there's obviously some racial integration stuff that I don't know, kids might not even understand today because it just seems like a different world. Yeah. Um, we were watching it with one of Joe's boys, you know, and had to kind of explain to him because we don't grow up in a world oh, that's sure, like that. Sure. I mean, like what's going on or why would black kids and white kids not want to, you know, they yeah. just, uh, so, um, yep. So things there, your initial thoughts or comments, Father Paul. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think a couple things. Uh, one, I could sense a little bit of what we went through, like in Minneapolis in the summer, uh, with the racial tensions. You know, there was a little bit of that, and that oh, just, yeah. you know, there's there is this inability to to see the person, uh, and you just sort of see the stereotype, uh, and then also uh, the importance of getting to know people. Like really getting to know people. Like, do I even know these people that I like or don't like or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and again, it's always good to see an underdog and, you know, those kinds of things. Are they going to get to the, you know, championship? You know, everything's against them. Those kinds of things. So, yeah, it was kind of what I was used to. What you would expect. Yeah. Uh, Yourself, John? Yeah, I did. Uh, my my initial response was, eh, Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I guess, you know, uh, an interesting movie. Um, it, it did provoke some thoughts of like, it would have been really, what a, what a time period to have lived in. I mean, we mm -hmm. can't even conceive of having lived in that time. Because in a way, even though we're living through a certain time ourselves, it's different than what it was back then. I mean, you're talking about mainline school. You're, I mean, you're right. talking about radical things. It even occurred to me, I'm like, what? Just that long ago, schools weren't integrated? Well, by the way, everybody, went and did some research, and it is off time. Like, it's not yeah. all accurate. So right. it, integration happened, but not that much sooner no. than, that, than the time period that's being portrayed. So I was, it was kind of provoking to think, my gosh, I can't even conceive of a world sure. where, like, a black person and a white person couldn't drink from the same water fountain or a black person right. and a white person couldn't go to the same places or when they couldn't eat at the restaurant, 
I mean, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, especially having worked at St. Lambert where, you know, your number of your parishioners are ethnic of different varieties. And I'm thinking, what in the world? This is so stupid, (laughs) you know? Uh, But I mean, it was really, that's, that's how it was. Yeah, that's how it was. So there was a part of me is like, I couldn't even conceive of a world like that. Um, the so those that was kind of my my uh, jumping off point. Um, the deeper insight that I I I noticed or I was wanting to pay attention to was um, th- the having known the Karini in Saint Lambert, uh, and we call them the Burmese, which is already like. When I found out, like the Burmese are the one who are killing the Karani, and oh, I'm like, no. why do we call them the Burmese? You know, and they're totally okay with it, or they never like say anything. And, um, but you know, when you begin to look at it, there it 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 is racism, but w- fundamentally, we don't. It's very. It can be very difficult for us to like people who are don't belong to us, people that are different than us. And in all in all circumstances, you find that there are people who hate people that are different than them. And all civilizations, you can see this at work, and even today in different parts of the country and and populations throughout the world in different countries, um, there are tensions. You know, you get you get uh, Ethiopia and Eritrea, right? Like you go to the Sudan, you go to uh, Rwanda, where they have the Tutsis and you know Tutsis. the. The other one, you know, and it's like they're both African and they're at war, killing each other, like murdering each other. So there's this this deeper dynamic of it is racism, but in a way that there's something deep in us that has such a fear or such a like inability to be in a relationship with someone who is different than us. And I don't think it denies the racism, but I think it puts us in a position to really look at like this is a fundamental human problem. This isn't an American problem because we enslaved black people. Right. This is a fundamental human problem. And that can maybe take some time for us if we're especially if we're in an ideologically driven world. So that was one of the things that I really thought through. Yeah. And again, I think the the question that I had was how do we overcome our prejudices? Whatever they are, you know, uh that can we acknowledge what they are, that they're there, uh, and then what do I do with them? Um, because we all have them, you know, things we like, things we don't like. Uh, and we have to really say, is it really justifiable that I don't like something or someone in a particular way? Uh, and what do I do about that? Um, you know, the way people speak, the way people dress, the way people look, you know, all of these things can cause certain reactions uh, and it's like, okay, but what do I do? How do I get to know them? You know, uh, in a way. And and we see that in the movie again, right? Cause the coach says um, you have to be able to tell me something about every single mm-hmm. person on the team and something of value, something like legitimately, you know? And so again, this, you know, and then some took it as just assignment. Fine. Tell me, tell me who your dad was. If you had one, uh, tell me this, if, you know, uh, and others were really interested. You know, they were really interested in getting to know these people. Music, you know, music was fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the music they liked, the music they didn't like. And again, this ability to say, well, I don't like it. Is that okay? Yeah. Like, can I not like something and and in that not liking it, not be saying something about your culture? Yeah. I just don't like it. Uh, you know, uh, or 
why do I like this? Like, what is it about this music that I like? Uh, oh, that, you know, the country music that they were playing. And it's like, oh my gosh, could you mm. turn it off? It's so bad. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, so those things, that ability to be able to look at that. Because like you said, it is a human, it's human nature. You know, I mean, the Irish were enslaved. Uh, even in America, signs. Irish need not apply. Like, yeah. Like the, the discrimination against the Irish in America. Yeah. You know, now it was a, a small period of time, but it was real. It was legit. Yeah. Well, and if you go do, I don't have the time periods in the top of my head, but if you go do history of, uh, there was a race of people called the Picts, P-I-C-T-S. Mm. Never heard of them. Uh, I'm in Mundelein Seminary's library and I find this random. You ever do that? No. Do you ever go to libraries and just pick out a book? <laughs> I just picked out a book and it was about the, 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 Scots, the Picts, and the Irish. And they like, one moves, they move over to here and then the Picts become the Irish and then they marry and they do and then, then they hate the, the Scots, but then eventually the, they move over to the Scots and then they become the Scots. And then it's like this huge, and it goes back like four times. And when it was all done, I was like, wait a minute, what am I? If I'm Irish, am I really Picts? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know? And so there was this realization like, well, maybe I'm Scottish. Well, then we did our ancestry. Right. And Scottish came up, you know? <laughs> and so I'm thinking, so maybe even who we think we are is different than who we are. And if we're honest, we all belong to the race of Adam and Eve. And we all go back to one set of parents. So there is this dynamic of, but... Isn't this the the case of uh, who are the Hatfields and the McCoys? Yep. You know, so I mean, there's even it's just like we are a we 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 are divided people, um, and we might be more divided than we are now. But I think to get to the root of what's going on, we got to realize like it's in us, mm -hmm. um, and that's a great question about what brings us back together. And the movie is proposing something. We don't have to agree with it, right. but it's proposing get to know each other. Yep. Isn't that's it's well, at least that's the path that's worked for me. Yep. When you get to know somebody, you're like, oh my gosh, you're kind of interesting. Or, oh, and, you know, and you kind of just like lessen. This is why I think social media can be so dangerous is because it lessens the relationships. You're, right. you're having a dialogue and it's easier to get explosive. But if you're saying the same things in front of a person, it's a different experience. Because you can get punched. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, like, every every 10-year-old knows that. Right, right. And even in the movie, though, we saw that where you'd say something to someone and then they got in the fight. You know, yeah. they would, they would, there was real tension. And not that we, you know, you're in favor of, of the fighting, but again, you're in contact with this person. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas in the social media world we live in, we're, we're not really in contact with people. And we say these things, but we don't ever get punched because uh, you can't punch me through my phone. Yeah. So I can just make these crazy statements about things that really aren't true at all. Uh, and there's no consequence, uh, you, you know? Uh, and so again, I think this ability though, uh, for football to be also the means by which uh, this was going to be done. We want a team that can win. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he was very clear about, you know, the standards that they set, very clear about beginning to, to, to group them in a new way, right? So he put them on the bus, offense on one bus, defense on another bus. When they were originally white kids on one bus, black kids on, on one bus. So there was this ability to say, we do need group mentality. Mm -hmm. We do need to belong. And so again, this ability to say, what if we redefine uh, how we're grouped together? And so the color of my skin isn't uh, the way we're going to be grouped together, uh, but we're going to find a different group. And that becomes 
the the thing that you can sort of unite around mm-hmm. uh, in that. And again, ultimately, we're all human. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking about the dynamic of freedom that gets put into play. Like somebody, we can help facilitate this, mm-hmm. but in the end, every person is also free, which yeah. was evident in the movie where you can get on the bus and you can do that, but then you can not participate. Right. Um, you can be asked to get to know somebody, but you can do it in a way that isn't really. So in the end, everything does come down to the human person. We need to make spaces, mm-hmm but everything does come down to the human person's freedom to say, this is for my good. And why is it that one should overcome those things is because in the end you discover this is good for me. Like I am more me when I get to know another, I am more who I'm more fascinated by life when I'm surprised by this person I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and to me, there's, that's the place of grace. And that's the place of really like human dynamics where you can't legislate that. Right. You can't coach that. You can't, it requires grace. And what makes people want that? That number one, they can see it's good for them. Number one, that it is good for them. Right. Number two, that they can see that it's good for them. And in the end, the witness in today's age is what can break down things when and I thought the movie showed really well how certain people just lived what they had to live and let other people catch up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think when we don't let other people have that freedom and we turn to them and we like demand it of them, we ruin the opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, oh, and I'm going to forget what the kid's name was. Um, the one that oh, was Paul Jerry. forgot somebody's name. Uh, Jerry. Right? Now I'm not the only no, one. No, I know. Um, he let his girlfriend go. Yes. Because she wasn't ready. You yeah. Know? And she, he just said, well, sorry. Uh, and so there was this separation. And then in the end of the movie, she comes back. Mm-hmm. And she comes around to this. And I think the, the, the hard part is waiting and, and trusting that whatever happens will be for the best. Yeah. Whether they come back or not. Uh, and I don't think we're patient enough. And I think this is the challenge maybe at, at times in our culture is we want it fixed now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we almost at the same time, I think, want to artificially try to fix it too. And this is sort of what, you know, again, uh, you could argue all day long about it, but was this the right way to fix the problem of schooling by busing kids back and forth and around it and forcing them to be mixed up? Or would there have been another mm-hmm. way uh, to have done it? Because it was really interesting too, because we we ended up with kids that came uh, from the West Coast and then uh, the, the other kid that came in from the military and they had no concept. They were like you. Yeah. They were like, what's the problem? Like, you know, if anything, uh, you, you know, the long hair was the problem. Yeah. Like, and yo- yoga, he does yoga and long hair. Yeah. And the girls are all swooning over him. He's like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Uh but they didn't have that experience. And so what would it have been like if they would have been thrown in uh, to a situation where they naturally would have been fine? Yeah. Uh, and then given people that opportunity. Uh, but we don't like to wait, you know, or should we wait? Yeah, that's a real question, you know? It's like, would we still be in the same place today if they hadn't done that back right. then? But at the same time, maybe there would have been a different path. Maybe... You know, who knows? It's it's worth, 
I don't know. That's important. And don't we kind of have the same thing today? Yeah, it's it's a it's the same things going on today in different realms where giving space. I don't know. Do we do we move, or is part of the the ability to move that somebody needs to? And maybe this is the thing: is are we willing to move, but also not force people? So, like Bertier was the guy with his girlfriend. He moved. Right, you know, but he didn't force her, um, or uh, um, the his mom was the same way. Right. You know, his mom, you know, and then in the end, it all came around. Sure. And so maybe it's not that there shouldn't have been forced busing, but maybe there was a way to do it that it wasn't forced schooling. But other things started being pushed where there was space. You know, you start creating communities within within. Yep environments where there's mix happening and, and it might take a generation for this thing to like really work itself out. But little by little, um, you can do that, but I don't know, maybe it would have never happened then too. Yeah. I mean, it's ultimately the, the, I mean that reality because again, this is a human problem. Uh, and so are we introducing Christianity? Are we introducing Christ uh, as the solution to the problem? Well, this, okay, so this is an interesting fact is all those people probably were belong Christian. to Christian right. well, well, denominations. Because there, there was the one guy who said, oh, yeah, I'll see him at church on Sunday. We're both deacons. Yeah, exactly. And so there is this dynamic of like, what is Christ's role in this right. then? That is. Yeah. Yeah. And both would say they were all, I mean, they would all say they were yeah. Christian. Yeah. Uh, and yet they were justifying the way they lived uh, by their, their idea of what Christianity was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so how does Christ break through that? Mm-hmm. And this is what we see with with Christ in general. When he comes into the world, he finds scribes and Pharisees, and he's constantly having to to open their eyes up to uh-huh. see uh, a world that's going to be different. And they either respond to it or don't. You know, again, Jesus gives them the freedom, uh, one way or the other, to do that. Yeah. The. Um, Another dynamic of it that happens is um, in front of things like this, and oftentimes Christ does this to us, is when he is calling us into an environment, we have to be willing to let go of something. And you saw this with the uh, other coach, Yost, not being accepted into the Hall of Fame. Right. And the consequence sometimes is, we realize we desire honor too many, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a desire for things, honor, prestige, uh, whatever these things are that prevents us from doing what's right and, you know, wealth or whatever mm-hmm. the things, um, and are we willing to live without certain things that a lot of the culture holds dear mm-hmm. to adhere to something more true. And, um, the flip side of this though is, Actually, sometimes we leave on the opposite direction, the Christian mentality, when when like doing that becomes the thing of prestige itself. So I'm I'm just I become self-righteous oh, in yeah. the opposite direction. So I'm the one who's I mean, in this example, we gotta say not racist, and you're all racist, and you're all so all of a sudden I'm like this self-righteous person on the other end because I didn't recognize the spirit of God who gives me that peace and gives me that serenity 
to live this new thing in a humble way. Humility is the sign that God is at work in somebody. Uh, and so you have different people that you can look at where, yeah, they lived it in a joyful way. They lived in a simple way and, and they made, you know, Rosa Parks and they made profound differences right. in culture uh, without becoming angry and bitter and prideful and, you know, uh, all themselves. So, yeah. I think it was also interesting when he takes him to Gettysburg, <laughs> you know, and the cemetery. And again, this reminder that it isn't that long ago that our history, we died over this topic, mm. you know, uh, and this remember this idea is he says, take a lesson from the dead. Uh, <laughs> we'll often end up repeating history if we don't. Mm. Uh, and so again, this, the, a, a reminder that some of this stuff isn't new. Uh, and I think sometimes we think we're, we're in a situation that we've never been in before. You know, again, you think about all the racial tensions uh, that we've experienced, you know, in Minneapolis and the cities. And then you watch this movie and you're like, well, that wasn't that long ago. And that was just as dangerous and crazy and the things that were happening, you know, were just as violent. And so it sort of says to us now, calm down, one, calm down. We're not as dire as the media wants us to think. Like this is, you know, the storm of the century, uh, once in a million, you know, everything's always the, and you're like, well, actually, if I look in the history book, uh, we've had three of these storms. And so I don't think it's quite that bad. Mm. Uh, and so it's like, okay, well, human nature. Uh, okay, well, what do we do? Um, I also think the other one thing that was interesting was to watch the coaches and the way that they motivated their players. You know, and so again, this real question of, you, you know, so again, Coach Boone was just very determined that they were going to be perfect. Uh, and he just, like, no uh, relenting. Like, they, you know, they they just kept, he was just on them to break them. Uh, but this real question of, but was it too much? You know, and that's where they get in the argument with Coach Yost. Because Coach Yost is like, well, they're boys. Like, you got to give them some slack. You got to show them that you love them as well or that mm -hmm. you care for them. Uh, and yet at the same time, Coach Yost sort of goes too far the other way. Uh, and doesn't prepare them for the reality of life either, mm. that life can be harsh. And I think there is this danger in one sense that we think it is an either-or in motivating people, and that real need to be able to to discern uh, what is best at this moment. Is it best to just be hard-nosed and to not not bend? Uh, and, and sorry, this is the rule. Like, you you broke the rule. Uh, or is there a moment where you really have to listen to the person uh, and to be able to say, you know, right now, like holding fast to this rule, I don't think that's going to be the best way to help this person uh, grow in, in their understanding as well. Yeah, the um, it, it was quite striking when he, you could see, uh, when, when, Coach Boone, who was like the one of the movie, he had this great, you know, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait. Well, just because he's uh, like on the right side of this issue doesn't mean he's totally perfect. Right, right. <laughs> like, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. And I think sometimes isn't it tempting to do that? We find somebody who has a certain good thing about them, and then we just go for everything they have. Right. As opposed to saying, well, but like I got to discern everything that they're doing here, and what is it that – that um that that happens. So that was that was a really helpful part. So, 
Well, as we finish up the first half of our uh, the first half hour of Rutten Radio, um, we close out. Any final thought, Father Paul? Yeah, you know, again, it's just a reminder that we are always having to teach this same lessons of humanity over and over, and Christ needs to be at the center. Amen. Well, you're listening to Rotten Radio on Real Presence Network. Don't go anywhere as we take a quick break. When we come back, we will have our next segment. And we're back with Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio Network, your local and regional Catholic media network for all things awesome. You can catch us on Facebook at Rutten Radio, and you can listen to our podcasts. On Spotify or iTunes, uh, on the Real Presence Radio app itself. So there's a variety of places you can find those to listen to. Yes. So shout outs. Yes. What do we got? So we hired a new youth faith formation director, uh, Justine, and she found out that her husband, Jason, has been listening to all the shows to catch up. And so she said he drops all this little like truth bombs, like a little information about us. Then she's like, how do you know this about them? And he's like, well, doesn't everybody? Uh, So anyways, so Jason Olowski, uh, who listens to our show, but he hasn't, he started from the front. So I don't think he's going to be, he won't get his shout out until later. Oh, it's going to be a little while. Yeah. But anyways, Mm. how about you? Awesome. Well, I wanted to give shout outs to Don Altman. Okay. And Don's, Don and Jamie's his wife down in Texas. They're awesome. They used to be at the parish, and then they moved south. And also Aaron Adland um, said the other day, said, I've become a big fan of your show. Wow. So All right. grateful to have those two on the journey. And um, thanks, everybody, for listening to Rutten Radio and sharing this great life with everybody you know. Um, and so... Uh, how about rating the movie? Now, this is interesting because we only have two, two. Right. Uh, rates. So what are you going to give this movie? Well, I gave the movie a 1.5. Um, it was good. You know, I mean, I think in its genre, it it was better than others. But uh, out of three stars or three rottens, one and a half. Yeah, so. great. Well, I... I'm giving this movie my worst rating. One star. One star. One rotten head. One rotten head. I just can't find it in me to give it anything more. So there we go. All right. So 1.25. 1.25 for. And whatever Joe, he didn't get to give. So. Yep. That'll be just fine. Well, here we are at the second half, and we had an interesting thing happen that you guys don't know if you weren't listening here. We don't have Joe with us, and so we're like, what do we talk about now? And Paul thought he was going to do something interesting, which is tee it up and let me decide. And (laughs) he didn't know that something's been happening in me where I'm just a little quieter these days. And he's like, what are we going to talk about? And I'm like, I don't know. What are we going to talk about? (laughs) I don't know. That's why I asked you. We stay here, and then we look at each other. And we're like, what do we do now? We don't have anything to talk about. And then he says to me an awesome question. This is a great, great question, everybody. If you're ever in one of these places where you're you're bored, kids, if you're bored, uh, if you're wondering, what do you want to talk about? 
<laughs> and then it's like, well, I don't know. What's interesting to you? So then I was thinking, well, we do movies. How about books? And I'm like, what What do you, what are you reading, and then Paul? I couldn't like, come up with one. I mean, you, I he's not read. reading anything. I, I and do then read I'm, So then that is a flop. Yeah. But then he said what? Oh, I said, well, you actually what you asked was, what spiritual book have you been reading? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I was like, well, I was trying to think of it. And then I finally said, well, I find that with CL, we do a lot of reading. So I don't do other reading outside of that in the spiritual realm. Because I do read. Like I'm reading this book called Boys in the Boat. Uh, so I read that. But that's just a book. Yeah. So, I, so then you said... Communion and liberation. <laughs> and that's what we should talk about because we don't have Joe here. Right. Because there's nothing worse than being at a table with people, you know, and then it's all, you know, one person isn't in communion and liberation, the lay movement, and everybody else is all going. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, get me out of here, you know. And I think that's the case with anything that you right. love a lot. It can be, yeah. you can forget, like, how do you live it in front of others, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but Joe's not here. So, and Joe's only quasi Joe's like, Joe's like, uh, a CLer by way of like proxy. He can't get away from it now right. that he's surrounded by the two of us. So, um, yeah. So we thought we'd just well, share Heron. a little bit. Yeah. He's Jason Heron as well. So he's, he's, um, and, and Joe, Joe's, Joe's, uh, getting it, but, uh, but it's different for someone to be influenced by it or to find the appreciation for it or gratitude and one who feels called to live this life in a particular way. So uh, we're just going to share a little bit about communion liberation for the next uh, half of Rutten Radio episode. Do you know uh, much about communion liberation? What would you say if somebody were to ask you, Paul, what's a CL what thing? CL what would you say? Thing? Well, what I typically say if someone asks, what is CL? Uh, it's the ability to live the experiences of your life in a way that you are aware that there is a presence uh, that became a person uh, and walked amongst us uh, and is still amongst us. And that presence is Jesus Christ. Uh, and in that, in my experiences and my desires, all of those things is this invitation then to be uh, closer to Christ and to see Christ in it and in them uh, as well. So awesome. Sounds good. Uh, what does it mean that it's a lay movement? So again, a lay movement. So within the church, there's movements, uh, and some of them are started by by priests for priests or by a, a non a woman and for a community like a religious community. Uh, and so this is meant really for the person in the pew. Uh, so a movement for every Christian really uh, to be a part of. You don't have to uh, become um, like a, a Franciscan like brother. Uh, to be a part of the movement. Uh, and if someone were to say movements, what's this movements like? I've never heard of movements. Uh, why is it that that word or that reality might be foreign to people that are Catholic and maybe have grown up in Catholic church and gone to mass every Sunday? And- yeah, you know, uh, so one of my parishioners had a, a profound spiritual experience last year, uh, and he he keeps telling me, there's all these Catholic secrets there's all these things that you keep hiding from me about Catholicism. Uh, and, and he says that with, you know, tongue in cheek about that. And what it really is, is it's this reality that for whatever, I don't even know how old he is, but for 30 years of his life, his idea of, of church and, and his spiritual life has just been coming on Sunday and going home, coming on Sunday and going home. 
Uh, and all of a sudden he realizes that this thing is actually bigger and involves more aspects of his life than he could imagine. Uh, and so I think the average Catholic who goes to church probably doesn't see a live religious sister or brother. Uh, they see the priest from a distance. Uh, and that, so their experience of the church is very much, I come to church, we do our thing, we go home. Uh, they're not involved in, in lots mm -hmm. of other aspects of the church. Uh, it doesn't change the way they live their life per se. Uh, they do all those other things. Uh, but when someone meets a movement or meets an aspect of the faith, uh, they see that, that there's another dimension, you could say, uh, to how this is lived out when I'm not at church per se. Like, I'm not going to Mass, but what about on Tuesday? <laughs> uh, or when I'm reading the paper or I'm talking to my neighbor, like all of those things. Uh, and they see that there is a, a, an aspect of life that can be lived differently mm -hmm. uh, all the time. Yeah, so there's a personal dimension that has to awaken yep. uh, for the person to recognize all of those things. Um, that is what, in the movement of community liberation, they would call an encounter. Right. To have encountered the presence of the living God, put whatever word you can say, I was slain by the Holy Spirit, or I met Christ, or I have a relationship with personal relationship with Jesus Christ, whatever these words are, I have this thing that has happened, this moment in real life. Like it happened in my in my life, like, and then it like opened up. Okay, that would be the word encounter, and it didn't originate with Jasani, Father Jasani, the founder of the movement, but it really has become um, through him and through that movement and through the popes has become a word that now is in common vocabulary within the church. Um, so there's this personal dynamic, and then on the church's dynamic, on the broader's perspective. While religious orders, you know, in the early church, there were sort of her hermits was a path to holiness. Yep. Basically, people were trying to figure out, like, how do I get holy? And at a certain point, then those things morphed into religious orders started, and you sort of became a part of this community. But to have a movement is really something new within the last century, within the last hundred years of the church, is a new reality that lay people are create are are like following these things that have come, which we believe by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. So it's not something people got together and said, "Let's create a club." No, it's like a, the Spirit brought this life about it. A shared life would be a real. So if you want to oh, say, sure. "Am I in a movement?" I'm in a shared life, and um, there are other similar ways that people got holy in the past, but this would be new. And um, particularly in places where the institutional church has really struggled, the movements thrive. Mm -hmm. And where the institutional church is stronger, the movements aren't as strong. And I think in America, we have good parishes. Oh, sure. You know, I yep. mean, we have alive people in our parishes that are meeting Jesus and growing in faith. So in a sense, like, well, I don't know that I need them. You know, you don't need a movement in the same way because your parish um, maybe facilitates that. Uh, but things like people will be familiar with the charismatic renewal. Yep. You know, that's something probably the biggest movement in America probably has been the charismatic renewal. And people had commitments to a prayer group. Yep. And I'm meeting every week with a prayer group. And, you know, these people like really shared life, went camping together. And, you know, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be uh, this way. And their lives living. were changed. And their lives were changed because of it. And they yeah. would say, Christ is the origin of this whole friendship. 
We didn't all just decide to be friends one day. Actually, we kind of aren't all friends. <laughs> yep. But he brought us to the same place. <laughs> so this gift of of uh, the movements and communion and liberation is just one of many of them, really. Do you know of others uh, movements in the church that? Well, is Focolare? Focolare would be one. Um, yeah. Would be one. Uh, now, see again, these are a little different, but like Curcio, while it's mm-hmm. a, a group, it's. You know, there, there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Uh, is there, are there groups connected with? Uh, Opus Dei would Opus be Day. one. Yep. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of. Santa GDO is. Yep. Would be one. So yes, yeah, so there aren't many of them around No, it, here. it's it's not. And I think maybe part of the problem is one of the things the church always has to do is make sure that she's protecting the truth uh, and, and the way the spirit moves. Uh, and it's much easier for the church to do that in a, in a structured religious institution, uh, the Franciscans, the Dominicans, because the, the, they have to get permission from the Pope and like, there's a lot of structure to it. And I think there's really this, maybe we, we, we lack the, not the freedom, but we're afraid of the freedom of like, well, what if people just do whatever they want? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we stop that? And even I think we can remember, mom talked about at one point, their prayer group kind of went off off the rails mm-hmm. uh, because there wasn't someone who was connected to the, the institution and the authority of the church to sort of be able to say, okay, you're bumping up against the railing over here on this side with mm-hmm. this idea. You got to move it back over a little or, oh, now you're over on this side. Come on back over a little bit. Uh, and there is this need, and we see that, right? We see that in the church from the beginning. You know, the church is is constantly having to set priority, or, you know, boundaries, and you know, well, who founded your church? You know, which apostle was it? Uh, well, we didn't have one. Well, then, how did you get started? You know, <laughs> you just don't get to start because you want one. Uh, and so, I do think that that's part of the challenge with the lay movements is who makes sure that they're flourishing, because we also know from within it. Like we're human, and so we're, we mm-hmm. could like mess this thing up, yeah, uh, <laughs> with our own ego and our own pride and all those other things that get in the way of really letting the spirit move. Yeah, and that would be one of the dynamics of the difference between a lay movement and just groups of people. Is anybody can have a group of people, but a lay movement is going to have a founder. It's going to have a structured leadership. It's going to have means with which it is following the path of the church, um, and. Th- Communion liberation in particular, one of its unique facets is its method of education. It's, you know, if each one of them has like San Egidio is a real like uh, dialogue and and service to the poor kind yeah. of group and um, communion liberation would have this educational component that it um, strongly emphasizes that there is uh, a tradition that is given to us. So there's something that comes to us externally. Mm-hmm. It's from outside of my idea. And then there is a person who embodies it. Yep. And then I am put in front of this circumstance where I have to look at the tradition, look at my life, and look at this authority, and then make a judgment about whether this is true for me. Mm-hmm. And that's the risk that is involved in maturing is nobody can take away that moment in which I have to make the judgment for myself. Um, but... It's also not my ideas that I'm making judgments about, which can be the hard thing in our modern culture today, is it's not my ideas. I'm taking something that's come to me 
the right. reality of of Christ in the church. And then I'm saying, is is this really for me? Um, and this is a method of education that isn't even just about whether church is about everything. You know, how do you how do you learn anything if you don't receive what was that was given to you, and then look at it all, and then make make the next step. Um, so it would be one of the educational components uh, that's really present. And in that path is the thing that we do every week. You get together. One of the dynamics is the school of community. Um, and you're looking at a text. Right. And uh, one of the important parts is staying faithful to the text and not like, oh, I want to read this book. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's a new people are always like, why are we, re- can't we read this or that? And it's like, no, this is part of the hard thing is learning. I'm following something. I don't decide everything. Right. Um, so what would you say you've seen uh, the method of school of community helping you? You were, you were a priest long before you uh, met this and started coming to school of community. How would you say it's helped you? I think the the one thing that's been helpful and is hard for people is we often when reading something, you know, spiritual or we're reading for a group, uh, we believe that there's the right answer. Uh, And so like if you're in a a Bible study or you're in a a group with people, they'll say, well, Father, what's the answer? Like what's the right, what is the right thing about this statement here? Um, Or we, we read something and then we apply it outside of ourselves. Uh, and for me, what I think has, has been both challenging and helpful is uh, it, it isn't about what's the answer. It's about what is my experience as I read this. Uh, so this text provokes something, I mean, which is what scripture does to us as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this ability to, instead of trying to figure out, well, what does this really mean? Like, what's this verse in the Bible mean? What is going on in me? Uh, and am I aware of that being an invitation then to a deeper relationship with Christ? Uh, that that the movement in me isn't necessarily the, the text itself that's important, uh, but looking at why did that, you know? Uh, and I think sometimes what I find is uh, that whatever the text is that we're reading, it can almost always be applicable throughout the week. It's like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm reading about, like for school of community. Like, like I'm reading this stuff right now. Yeah. And this scenario like fits into this whole thing right here. Uh, and it, and, and instead of thinking, oh, that's a neat coincidence. Uh, it's like, well, no, it's not a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, it's God uh, working in the, the actual particulars of my life in this moment. Um, but I do find sometimes it's hard because I'll read it and I can't find any. And so then I'm like, well, I don't have anything. And as you know, okay, so sometimes this is, I just sit through the meetings and I don't say anything. So this, <laughs> so this is interesting. Uh, I don't totally know if I'm on the same page, and so I want to just say this, and then you tell me whether where we're at with it. Is what I'm doing? What the what the work is being asked is is to read the test and understand what the text first is saying, right? And then look at my life and see where can I make a judgment of it. Is that what you're? Yep. Oh, okay. Then we're on the same page. I was I was thinking you were saying it didn't matter what the text was saying. It matters what happens to me. No, but I mean I, what I was saying is is I I think too often all we do is worry about what the text says. Oh yeah, 
And we never bring it back to me. Correct. So we want to know what's the right answer to this. Like, I want to know exactly what this is. Well, okay. But what about what, what, well, you read it. What did you, well, that doesn't have anything to do with yeah. it. It's just coming up with the right answer. Which in a way to me helps explain why so many people that go to evangelical churches that preach well uh, are moved by them. So maybe it's sentimentality. I haven't been to many of them, sure. but I think a lot of times the preacher is just preaching in the gospel in such a way that the people are actually saying, you're talking to me, <laughs> you know? And this is the experience that I think you're talking about at school community is it's part of it is a disposition. That, like I have to learn to read something as if like how, where, what is the judge? Yeah. yeah. What's the judgment? I mean, totally. Yeah. How would, how would you say you've grown because of it? Because of uh, belonging to the charism? Well, that's a good question. See, now this is the problem. Is you didn't think about we, this, and I put you on the spot. You this is your yeah. personality, yeah. and now you're ready to like. <laughs> what are you doing? Because well, no, then, because I, I want to give you the right answer, not the right. Well, I do want to give you. The right <laughs> I want to give you a thorough answer to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. How is it? How is it? How have you grown? There um, we go. There that's we what go. I was waiting for. Oh, okay, Jeff. No, well, no, why don't you no. talk first about? No. It? Well, it's hard. I mean, I'm. I guess I met the movement when I was in seminary. I've been a priest nine years. I've probably been in the movement for 11 years. It's been so much a part of my life. I kind of can't understand it without it. Um, what I would say is before I met these people that live this way, it felt like, um, well, getting sober, having the encounter felt mm -hmm. like, ah, God is present. And I had his hand. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I was surrounded with people that were telling me different aspects of this, and it was really great. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got the saints, I got this, I got that. Um, when I met the movement, it was like lights were turned on, and then I understood the connectedness of everything. Oh. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, like it's all connected. It's real, as opposed to that before, it just seemed like, yeah, I mean, I can touch this, I can feel it, but then it felt like then disconnected. And then, yep, I can touch this, I can feel this. Nothing seemed sure. integrated to yep. me and meeting the movement felt like the lights were turned on. I both had a relationship with Christ, but I also had a relationship with reality Sure, and that he was this presence. Um, so I kind and then from that, I just feel like I, when I live out of this dynamic, I don't feel like I have something other people don't. I feel like I have something that now under, helps me understand what other people have. Okay. I understand Protestants better because I live this way. Sure. Okay. I understand non-religious people better because I've been educated this way. I understand deeply faithful Catholics because, you know, does that make yep. sense? Like I, yeah. Yeah. I think if anything, maybe to, it's helped me to live humanity, my humanity better. Oh, same. What does that mean? Um, people say that. I love the idea that people, you would say that, but then like, what does it mean to live your humanity? Well, in the sense of like both the good, the bad, uh, like all of it, like, like we're made in a particular way and, and God redeems the whole thing, um, you know? And so you find that then you look at everything uh, with this understanding that God is interested. So if I'm mm -hmm. bored, uh, if I'm lonely, if I'm happy, if I'm, you know, excited about something, uh, all of those things, like they really do matter uh, to to him and to me. They really are important um, aspects. And then also, I think with that, I, when I say that my humanity better is 
also the, you know, the, the idiosyncrasies of, of humanity. Uh, and so I am a particular way and I know that it can drive people crazy. Uh, but I'm like, well, this is who I am mm. and I'm just, you know, I'm going to just be who I am and that's part of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting. I've seen, uh, in the time that we've been on the journey together that you have a lot more peace, uh, about circumstances and you kind of just seem to roll with things a little easier. <laughs> Would that be true? Yeah. Oh, although when you were late earlier, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, and then- <laughs> we got here early. Like, so for those that don't know, so we were going to get here 15 minutes early to do a recording. <laughs> so we're here. Everything is set. It's all ready to go. And all I turn my around, stuff is here. I turn around and he's gone. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, where did he go? And I'm like watching the clock and I'm like, there goes that minute. <laughs> there goes that no. minute. Oh no. Yep. That minute's gone too. And I'm like, but it's going to be okay. Whatever happens. <laughs> Because I've learned yeah. that whatever, it's just going to happen. It's, yeah. You know? Uh, and so I found myself less frustrated. I mm-hmm. still expressed it to everybody yeah. out there. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, does anybody know where my brother went? <laughs> <laughs> I texted you. I'm like. And I can't even tell you what was going on because it's so unforgivable. <laughs> so anyways, but that's just one of those things where yeah. I just know myself, mm-hmm. but I'm more like, well, this is, this is just how I'm going to be. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, probably less. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, folks, it's a blessing to be on this great journey. What if somebody would want to either learn more about it or oh, maybe yeah. be involved? It's a lay movement. Yeah, so a lot a of lay movement. people listen to our show. Yeah. There's uh, there's communities. Basically, so basically you want to find a community. You want to find a person that lives this way and, uh, you know, they can connect you to the community. Uh, I do think it's important to realize it's a community. It's a people. Uh, The most important thing people realize is the book study, but uh, you can go to Community Liberation Online, CL Online. You can go to Facebook and find Community Liberation South Dakota or whatever state you live in. Um, you can, and then there's contacts on the website that can get you connected. If you want on our Facebook page, you can reach out to me. I can connect you people wherever you are in the country. So that, uh, would be the path. And I would say pray. And then maybe somebody will show up and you'll be like, Oh, you start looking. There's people around. Beautiful. Speaking of prayer, let's pray. Happy new year, everybody. Let's offer our prayers to God. Our father, we we thank thank you for your love and for your blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another. Quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share with those around us. Direct us to the state in life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Help Help us to be a holy family. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next time right here in Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network.